Lord, what a privilege it is to come before your throne of grace. In this time of year where there's so many things going on, it's awesome to be able to rest in you and remember why we gather together. And that's to celebrate you. To celebrate that hope is born. Lord, I know there are many people in this room that are feeling really joyous. They're so happy to be with family. They're excited to be able to celebrate Christmas. And Lord, I pray that you would just multiply that rejoicing. Lord, I know there are people in here this afternoon that are feeling stressed out, feeling alone, they're feeling discouraged. And so I pray for all those people here that are feeling those emotions. Lord, I pray you meet them exactly where they're at. They would feel your presence and your joy and your peace as we open your word. Lord, I'm so grateful that we have your very word so that we can learn about you. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. The point for this afternoon is hope is born. But what if I did this? Well, you guys know what I just did, right? I, I, I danced. That's, that's what I did. But, but maybe you're thinking, well, why did he dance? Maybe I danced because I have a dance competition coming up and I need to practice a little bit in front of some people. Maybe someone right before I got up on stage said, Pastor, I dare you to dance on stage. Or maybe I'm just giving an illustration that you can't know the, what's going on in the little story without knowing the big story. And so we're here this afternoon to celebrate hope is born. But have you ever stopped and thought, why exactly do we gather together in churches? Why exactly do we come together at Christmas time and celebrate? Why do we have a Christmas tree? Why do we decorate our Christmas tree? Why do we give presents? What is the real reason for all the things that are going on? Well, this morning I hope to share with you the big story so that you can understand the little story of why hope is born. And, and Jesus, I've found through my almost 20 years of walking with him that he's a really great gift giver. I know many of you are looking forward to getting gifts or receiving gifts. Any kids here excited about getting some gifts tomorrow, right? You're excited about that? Yeah, we, we like getting gifts and receiving gifts. And I believe that Jesus is the ultimate gift giver. And so what we're going to do this afternoon is we're going to walk through some gifts. And as we walk through these gifts, we're going to open up each chapter of the big story. Each box is going to be one chapter of the big story. And so we start with the first chapter of the big story, and that is creation. Now, for some of you, you don't believe that God created everything, and, and, and that's okay. That's okay. Just, just stick with me. It's okay. What we believe as a church and what we believe as Christians is that in Genesis 1-1, we find that God is a huge baseball fan. It says it right there, in the big inning. Oh, okay. Bad pastor joke. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we believe that he created everything and it was good. And even if you don't believe that, have you ever stopped to think about where we live? I mean, as we're sitting here right now, the sun is pumping down 239 trillion horsepower of energy on this earth. And if the sun was just a little bit closer, we would all burn up. And if the sun was just a little bit further away, we would all freeze. Have you ever thought about the moon? If the moon was just a little bit bigger or just a little bit closer, 
the tides would be overwhelming. We live in an awesome coastal town, right? We wouldn't be able to live here if the moon was just a little bit closer or a little bit bigger. Everything fits together perfectly. Our earth is covered with, with 70% water, and I'm so glad that it is because when you stop and think about what water actually does, it's vitally important. See, what water does is during the day, it absorbs all the heat from the sun. And then at night, it releases that heat. If we didn't have that water across the earth, there'd be many places during the day that your skin would literally boil because it would be so hot. And at night, we would freeze to death. You think about the air, the composition of the atmosphere. It would be just a little bit different. Instead of it being 17% oxygen, if it was 21% oxygen, we would never be able to have life here at all. It all fits together perfectly. The earth is on the axis of, of 23 degrees, but if it was 90 degrees, you know what would happen? We wouldn't have any seasons at all. And there would be so much ice and snow being built up on the poles that the equator would bulge and it would change the rotation of the earth and life would cease to exist here. But you know my favorite of all is the second law of thermodynamics. I know many of you. You got, woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to go to church to hear about the law of thermodynamics, right? But it's also known as the law of entropy. And what it means is that the cause of something has to be greater than what it does, than what it affects. So when you think about all the things of our universe, you think about limitless space when you apply the law of entropy, that the cause of limitless space has to be infinite. You think about the cause of endless time, it has to be eternal. You think of the, the cause of a boundless energy, it has to be omnipotent. You think about the cause of spiritual values. I mean, all of us here have considered at one time spiritual values. Even if you're an atheist, even if you're agnostic, or if you're a strong believer in Christ, or you have a different belief system, you've considered spiritual values. Well, the first cause of that has to be spiritual. You think about this time of year when you think about being loving. Well, the first cause of love had to be a loving being. The first cause of integrity in our lives, the things that we value, ha has to be truthful. And you think about the cause of life, just applying this law of entropy, the, the cause of life had to be living. And so when we think about the first chapter that God created everything, we would have to conclude that from the law of, the the, the law of, of increased entropy, that that cause of everything had to be an infinite, eternal omnipotent, omnipresent, spiritual, truthful, loving being. And we believe that that's God. And that he created all things and it was good. That's the first chapter. The second chapter is this, and some of you kids may be getting this for Christmas. It's coal. <laughs> and this coal, this coal represents sin. You see... God's creation was good. And God's word says that it was good. But then the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, messed it up. And they didn't obey God. And even if you don't believe the literal story of Adam and Eve, you'd be hard-pressed to convince anyone that sin doesn't exist in this world, right? 
I mean, it affects everything. It affects everything around us. It affects relationships. It affects us, uh, our relationship with God. It affects our, our, our relationship with other people. We see the effects of sin all around us. In fact, the scripture, the main scripture for this afternoon is, is from Titus. And many of you don't think of this as a, as a Christmas uh, verse, but it is. And in Titus chapter 3, it says this. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? It sounds like the world that we live in, isn't it? And it affects us all the time. It, it affects me. A few Christmases ago, I thought, I'm going to be a great Christian. I'm going to be a great pastor. I'm going to proclaim to my entire neighborhood that Jesus is Lord. I'm going to decorate my whole house with lights. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to get a giant cross that's lit up. And I'm going to show everyone that I believe that Jesus is Lord. So I get up on my roof. And I thought, man, this is going to be easy. Just put it up on my roof. I'm, I'm, I'm holding a giant lit up cross. How hard could this be? And I go up my roof and it keeps sliding down. It keeps sliding down. It keeps sliding down. And I'm getting so frustrated that this cross will not stay up. And so finally, I grab the cross out of frustration and one of the light bulbs is broken and I get shocked and I electrocute myself. So now here I am up on my roof, wildly frustrated, just being shocked, holding a giant cross. And you know what this holy, holy man of God is doing? I'm swearing, <laughs> swearing, holding this cross, proclaiming Jesus to everyone. See, sin, sin, sin affects me, and it affects you. It affects all of us. You see, we have an infinite, all-knowing, all-powerful creator God. And the biggest blasphemy of the universe is that we use the lungs that he gave us. We use the brains that he gave us to speak words and to think thoughts that don't honor him. And each and every one of us does it. And that's the great blasphemy of the universe. I mean, if you just look at the headlines, real headlines from this week, from the news. I mean, this, this is what happened this week in our world. Plane crashes off of Ponte Vedra Beach. Feds charge Chinese hackers intensifying pressure on Beijing. Facebook and Wells Fargo in bottomless pit of scandal. Florida Sheriff's deputy kills his wife, daughter, granddaughter, and himself. London airport chaos as drones invade airspace. Wow. This is where we're at in our world. This is sin affecting everything. And it would be a horrible end of the story if that was it, right? If, if it was just creation and we just messed it all up by sin. But thankfully, through the grace of God, that that's not the end of the story. Because hope is born. Titus, verse 4. But when the kindness and the love of our God and Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through uh, Jesus Christ, our Savior. We think about all the different chapters I think about so many intelligent people that have looked at Jesus, that have looked at God. I have a list of, 
of all different scientists in their fields of study. And they were all Bible-believing Christians. They looked at God carefully, and they got to experience Jesus, that hope is born. And I'm so thankful that hope is born, that we're not stuck in our sin. You see, Jesus came to earth. He came to earth, and he came as a seeking and saving Savior. And when he came on this earth, it must have been so crazy for him. Have you ever stopped and, and thought about what it would like, be like to be a dog? Sometimes I, I look at dogs, I'm thinking, this is the most wonderful life of all time, right? I mean, just sit around, be fed, go on walks, do the whole thing all over again, day after day. But when you stop and think about it, being a dog is, is kind of difficult, actually, because if you need to go out to the bathroom, someone has to let you out. If, someone, if you're hungry, someone has to feed you. I mean, you're dependent on somebody else. Well, it must have been like that times a million for Jesus. Because the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, came down from heaven to earth as a seeking and saving savior. And he was nine months in a womb. He was all powerful. Nine months he was in a womb. And then he was born. And he wasn't born in a great kingdom with... Uh, amazing things all around him? No, he was born in a stinky barn. And the people that were around him were stinky people. And he did that because he loves us. He did that because he saw us in our sin. He saw that we all deserve coal. But he came as a seeking and saving Savior to this earth, born in a manger to give us hope. And then he lived a perfect life. And he was tempted Far more than any of us could ever imagine. He was tempted in every way, but yet he never sinned. He never fell short. He never had a thought that went astray. He never said a word that didn't honor God. And I'm so glad that he lived a perfect life because he had to. Because if he didn't live a perfect life, then we had to answer for all the things that we have ever done wrong against God. But because he lived a perfect life and because he went to the cross, he took all that sin, every single thing that we've ever done wrong, he put that on him, the best news of the universe. And that's why here at Good News, we boast in the cross and the cross alone. Because the work that he did on the cross, dying for our sins and then raising from the third day victorious over our sin and death allows us to have hope, allows us to have peace, allows us to have joy, allows us to have eternal life. You see, that's what Jesus did on the cross. Aren't you so thankful that hope is born? See, the things that you struggle with right now, your, your, your lust, you're not going to be able to fix that on your own. Your pride, your anger, your frustration, depression, anxiety, you can't fix that on your own. You need Jesus. You need Jesus to take those problems on him, on the cross, so that he can be the one that dies for all of our sins and raises us from the dead victorious. Have you ever put your faith in Christ? You see, this time of year where we get to the beginning of the year, you're going to see all kinds of things about how you can make yourself better in the new year. You're going to see all kinds of books like this, How to Look Ten Years Younger. 
Anybody want to look 10 years younger? How about this? This is another book. How to look 10 pounds lighter and 10 pounds younger. Oh, how about this one? How to look 15 years younger. Anybody want that? Well, that's not good enough. How about this? 20 years younger. You see, there's all kinds of programs out there to better yourself. All kinds of ways to try to extend your life here on earth. I'm going to tell you the best program that you could ever have is Jesus. You see, Jesus, in Jesus, hope is born. In Jesus, you're not able to look 10 or 15 or 20 years younger. You're able to have eternal life with him if you put your faith and trust in him. I love this time of year because there's so many reminders about who Jesus is. Have you ever stopped and thought about the Christmas tree? I mean, the Christmas tree itself, the original person that put up a Christmas tree in the 1500s was William Boniface, and he put it up in his house because of the three points of the Trinity. He wanted a reminder for his family, so he put a tree in his house that represented the triangle, the three points of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Ever thought about why we put lights up? The first person recorded to put lights up was Martin Luther. I know some of you are thinking that was before electricity. You know what Martin Luther did? He put candles in the tree. You know how much, you have to have so much faith to be able to put candles in a Christmas tree. But he did that because he wanted everyone to see that Jesus was the light of the world. That's why we put up Christmas lights all around our house. There, were, there was a, a candy maker in Indiana that decided he wanted to be able to proclaim Christ during the Christmas season, so he made the candy cane. That's why it's, it's colored the way that it is. It has the big stripes and the small stripes to show how Jesus shed his blood and to represent the, the whippings that Jesus took for our behalf. And then there's white on there to represent that he lived a perfect life so that we don't have to die for our sins. And it's shaped like a shepherd's hook because he's the great shepherd. And if you turn it upside down, guess what it looks like? A J for Jesus. See, there's reminders of why Jesus came all around us. But that's not the end of the story. See, that, that's, that's pretty amazing, right? I mean, we have creation. We messed it up. Jesus came to redeem us so we're not stuck in our sin. But Jesus is coming again. And in Titus chapter 3, verse 7, it says, So that having been justified by his grace... We might become heirs having hope of eternal life. And so we're all going to be sons and daughters of the king. We're all going to be prince and princesses of the king if we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ when he comes again and establishes a whole new uh, place, a new heavens and a new earth, and it is going to be amazing. We can't even fathom what it's going to be like. It's far better than floating on a cloud with a harp, believe me. When we look at God's word, we see a place that we can hardly conceive, and even God's word says that. And in 1 Corinthians 2, it says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Can you imagine a place where there was the only the good things of earth and none of the bad things? He's going to come and he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. And there's going to be a river of life there. There's going to be all kinds of natural wonders. Have you ever stopped and seen a sunset that was just breathtaking? In Florida, we're so blessed to have so many great sunsets. Have you ever just stopped and looked and said, man, those colors are just amazing. 
just don't see those very often. What an amazing thing that we get to see in the new heavens and the new earth. That's going to be nothing. That's going to be nothing. There's going to be so many more glorious things there. I mean, think about it. Scripture says that you'll be you without all of your bad parts and things, things that you don't like about yourself, things that you don't like about your looks. Those are all be gone. You'll still have your emotions, but there won't be any negative emotions. I'm not sure how that's all going to work, but Scripture says that we'll have our emotions there that will look unique. There'll be tri every tribe, tongue, and nation there, and so we'll look unique uh, as unique people. There'll be great feasts there. I mean, some of you have already ate way too much this holiday season, right? I mean, some of you are, are pigging out. But in heaven, we can pig out. We don't have to worry about the calories. It's going to be glorious feasts of things that we can't even imagine what they're going to taste like. That's going to be there. We get to learn things there. I know many of you are lifelong learners like I am. Just enjoy learning. We're going to learn things in heaven. Scripture says he's going to reveal things to us. That we're going to get to work there. I know some of you are bummed about that one. But can you imagine what work would be like with no headaches, no problems, no annoying bosses, no troublesome coworkers, never the copier breaking? I mean, it's going to be great to be able to use our gifts to glorify God in heaven. It's going to be so cool that communication will be in a single language. All of the church plants that you've helped start is at Good News, all the people from China and Russia and Pakistan and Brazil and all the other places around the world, we're going to get to communicate with our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's going to be amazing. Does anybody here like art, enjoy art? Anybody like enjoy art? How about music? Anybody enjoy music? How about sports? How about sports? How, some of you just don't enjoy anything. What's wrong with you? Okay. All of those things are going to be made new. He says he's making those things all new. I don't know how competition is going to work in heaven when everything is perfect. I don't know how that's going to work, but it's going to work. And it's going to be amazing. And I want you to be able to experience that. And so the worship team is going to come back up here right now. And we have an action step for you here this afternoon. The action step is to accept the gift of hope. Is to accept it. And I want to read the scripture fully all the way through this time. And I want you to hear how the story unfolds all together. At one time, we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of the righteous things that we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing and rebirth and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously, through Christ Jesus our Savior, so that having, so having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Jesus says in Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right now, Jesus is knocking on the door of your hearts. Some of, people, some of you here, you've never accepted that gift of hope. Jesus says, if you open the door, I will come into you and dine with you and he with me. He wants to be able to have a close personal relationship with you. He wants you to be able to cast your burdens on him. That's why he came. He came as a seeking and saving savior to save us from our sins. But then he didn't just go away and be a faraway God. He wants to have a close relationship with each and every one of us. So I, I want you to accept the gift of hope. It's the best gift you could ever open. I mean, listen, this is, this is what the world has to offer. The world has to offer anger 
and pride and gossip and envy and blasphemy and complaining and lying and stealing and cheating and drunkenness, fornication, lust, hate, forsaking God, idolatry, lovers of money, and prejudice. I know for some of you, you've experienced some of those things from people that call themselves believers. And the reason why that's happened to you is because us as believers, we still struggle with sin. We still struggle uh, with things that are not of God. We still struggle with those things, even though we've been redeemed because we're still here on this earth. And, and we, we desperately want to continue to follow after him. But if you've seen Christians act in a way that, that didn't honor God, I want to say that, that, that we're sorry, that we want to point you to God. And this is the list of things that Hope is Born has to offer. Faith, love, gentleness, patience, peace, kindness, strength, redemption, restoration, renewal, forgiveness, completeness, righteousness, eternal life. If you accept the gift of hope, if you accept Jesus, it doesn't mean that your life's going to be perfect. It doesn't mean that you're never going to struggle with sin ever again. But what it does mean is that you'll be able to have true hope, true joy, true peace, and have eternal life. Each and every one of us is going to face physical death at some point. I want you to be prepared. I want you to have the gift of hope. And so I want to give you an opportunity right now. And what we're going to do, don't do it right yet, but what we're going to do is we're all going to close our eyes and we're all going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. Many of you have accepted the gift of hope, and that is awesome. What I want you to do during this time is to pray for those around you that haven't accepted the gift of hope. And what we're going to do is I'm going to pray this over you. If you want to accept the gift of hope, that you would just say these, these words with me in, in your mind, and that you would just pray to God. And I'm going to give you a chance to respond. So let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge to you that I've sinned against you in many ways. I believe that hope is born. I believe that you lived a perfect life and you died on the cross for me and you rose victorious from the grave over sin and death. I want you to come into my life and be my savior. Forgive me of all my sins and give me the gift of eternal life. Come into my life and be my Lord. Help me become the person that you want me to be. Amen. If we could all just keep our eyes closed and our heads bowed. And what I want to do right now is I want to give you a chance to respond right now. To respond to God and to say, yes, I did pray that. Yes, you are my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, would you please raise your hand right now? Would you raise your hand right now? Wow. Raise your hand. Wow. I'm just blown away by how God is working in your life. Praise God. Everyone can now open their eyes. Praise God for all the people that raised their hands. Just so, so grateful for that. If you did raise your hand, would you do one more favor for me? Would you please mark that on your card? There's a place on the card that you can mark down that you accepted Jesus as your Savior. You can just write it on there. We want to get you a Bible. We want to get you some resources so you can grow in your faith. I'm so grateful and so thankful. I'm so blown away to see all the hands go up. And we want to help you grow in your faith. It's awesome to know the, the whole story, right? To know that there was creation and it was marred by sin, but Jesus came as a seeking and saving Savior and he is going to come again. And that's the reason why we gather, because hope is born. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so grateful for your word, so grateful that we can 
celebrate together. And all the people that raised their hand this afternoon, along with all the people uh, yesterday that raised their hand, I pray, God, that you help their faith to grow, that they would have this hope and this joy uh, that they've never experienced before. Lord, I pray for anyone else in here that didn't feel like raising their hand but is still considering it, Lord, I pray that you continue to work in their hearts. And I pray for all the rest of us that have accepted you as Lord and Savior in our, in our past, that hope would be anew in our life. That that joy that you give us, the peace that you give us, will be real to us this Christmas season and beyond. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.